Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. 
open up your mind. Oh, let the Lord come in right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. That Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. Our Father and our God, thank you for being Lord. Thank you for being an all-sufficient Savior. Being the one we can count on when all things are not well. We've come now to your word and we need you to speak to us. Somebody here is discouraged and they need to know that everything's going to be okay. Somebody here needs to hear you speak because they've got decisions to make. Would you breathe on us today? Would you give me, your son, preaching power and preaching permission that preaching may be done? And in the end thereof, we'll be mindful, Father, to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And all God's children said together, amen and amen. Beloved, would you stand with me for the reading of God's holy word? Thank you, family, for being with us on land and online. Would you turn with me to the gospel according to Luke? Luke chapter 13, verses 18 through 21 is our passage today. 18 through 21, Luke 13. Then... He said, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and put in his garden. And it grew and became a large tree. And the birds of the air nested in its branches. And again, he said, to what is the kingdom of God like? It's like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until it was all leaven. Amen. I want to preach from this question today. What is the kingdom of God like? What? is the kingdom of God like. You may be seated. Beloved, I had some kind of week this week. One day I woke up in what I call is a melancholy mood. Anybody know what that word means, melancholy? It means to have a sense of sadness for no apparent reason. The melancholiness that I'm talking about, Reverend Zuniga, it happened to me on Thursday, son. I, I rolled out of bed and I just felt some kind of way. And I believe that it came upon me because of my concern and care for the church. You see, for no apparent reason, I became burdened with how she was doing. I became burdened with what she was doing. And I became burdened 
for what she was doing, Lady Bunch, in these dark and dying days. And when I started to think about her, I felt overwhelmed with sorrow. Can I tell you why? The times in which we live are not good times for the body of Christ. Despair is everywhere. Uh, First Lady, our church and the leaders have gotten discouraged. And our members are weak in their service and in their missions. Our faith is not strong. And as a result, that caused me some grief and some burden. In other words, crisis in our church, Saya, is everywhere. And as I talked with other church leaders and pastors across the city, I quickly discovered I wasn't alone. Every pastor, every church is facing some type of trial and tribulation. If you're going through it, just wave at me this morning. And it let, it let me know something, Mother Jones, that trouble is at everybody's address. And after doing this informal research, I found myself feeling some kind of way, Sister Tanya. And here's what I learned, daughter. If you're not careful, bad news like this will make you too feel melancholy. And then I remembered this passage, the passage that we were preaching from on last week. And it reminded me that Jesus felt confrontation too. That Jesus felt conflict too in his ministry. Do y'all remember that on last week he was teaching in one of the synagogues when he saw a woman there who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. For 18 years she was struggling in her body because the underworld had picked her out to pick on her. Talk about melancholy. And when, when, when it did this to her, conflict arose in her heart and in her life. But that day she was in the synagogue and Jesus was there to fix her situation. The Bible says in that passage that Jesus spoke out with authority. And he spoke out against the demonic that was uh, uh, bothering the woman and the hypocrite in the sanctuary right who spoke judgment against the woman do y'all remember that it was one of those situations in the synagogue where there should have been some rejoicing and celebration after jesus healed the woman but because of satanic influence the woman's healing was rejected and it was not celebrated and that's where our text begins today we pick up right where we left off Jesus has just rebuked the one who tried to rebuke the woman. And then he asked a question to those in the crowd. Two parables. He asked them after he just rebuked the man, what is the kingdom of God like? In other words, he's getting ready to give them two parables to explain what it was they just saw. Are y'all in here now? I got two points I'm going to give you. Somebody hold up two fingers. I can't see your faces because of mass. <laughs> give me the peace sign. All right. I'm going to talk today about the parable of the seed and the parable of the sister. The parable of the seed and the parable of the sister. The what? Uh-huh. Amen. Let's unpack the first one. Verse 18. And then he said 
Reverend Billings, what is the kingdom of God like? And what shall I compare it to? He said, it's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. And when it grew, it became a large tree. And the birds of the air came and nested in the branches. Beloved, when we arrive at this first parable, Jesus is teaching on the Sabbath day like any good Jewish rabbi, and he is illustrating a point that he wants everybody in the crowd to get so they understand what it was they just saw. He asked this question because he wants them to understand what is the rule and the reign of God like on earth. When you hear the word kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, you're talking about the rule and the reign of God in people's hearts. He said, What's, what is that like on earth? He opens up by saying, there was a man who had a mustard seed, Sister Sheila, and he took this mustard seed and he planted it in his garden. Let me explain this. The mustard seed is the smallest seed on earth. There's no other seed like it. And the mustard seed grows into a little mustard bush. The mustard bush is then used for seasoning. It's kind of spicy for those of y'all who like it hot. Come on, talk to me. You, you need a mustard seed in your, in your garden, all right? It grows spices and herbs. He says, a man took this mustard seed and he plants it in his garden. Now watch this. Why the mustard seed? Well, the kingdom of heaven is like that tiny mustard seed. It's so small that it looks insignificant. It's so small it's almost invisible to the naked eye. In fact, if you didn't know it was a seed, you'd walk right over it. He says, Jesus says a man took it and planted it in his garden. Well, why did he plant it there, Jesus? He planted it to edify his family. He planted it to bless his home. He planted it because he needed the spices in his life to help him enjoy the flavor of his food. Jesus is illustrating what the mustard seed is like because it's a small little seed that has the potential to bless everybody. Can I say some more? Thirdly, what we see in the text is supernatural. The mustard seed grew into a large tree. Now, I need to stop and tell you, that was impossible. Mustard seeds don't produce trees. But what they produce is bushes. Little bitty bushes. But in Jesus' parable, this little mustard seed had some supernatural help. It didn't produce Bavi a bush. It produced a giant tree. In other words, after it grew because of the power and the nutrients in the earth, it became something so big that it was a supernatural phenomenon when people looked into it. 
Can I say some more? The kingdom of heaven is like that. It's a supernatural phenomenon. And it won't just exist in a little bush. Are you with me here? It has the power to make that which seems insignificant so big, so powerful, that all of the world will look in awe when they see the results of the mustard seed. Here it is. This seed, Zuluga, it grows where you don't expect it to grow. This seed, it grows in people, brother hand, you never thought it would grow in. It grows in homes where you never thought that seed would be planted. In other words, it does what other things could never do. It marvels and it thrives in spaces and places that you would have never thought it would grow in. The kingdom of God I'm talking about. Have you seen what it'll do to the drug addict? It'll make them sober. Have you seen what it'll do to the gambler? It'll make them put their faith in God. Have you seen what it'll do to the liar? It'll make them tell the truth. Can you see, have you seen what it'll do to the gangbanger? Make them a preacher and a pastor of the New Beginnings Church. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. Are you with me here? It'll do what, it'll do what AA can't do. It'll do what parole and probation can't do. It'll do what Congress can't do. It'll do the supernatural. Why? Because it is supernatural. Now, I know it looks insignificant. I know it looks invisible. I know it's nothing to the naked eye, but oh, when God puts it in somebody, <laughs> it'll turn something out. Are you with me here? When we look at this thing, God wants us to know that this little bush was also a picture of the first century church. See, when the first century church was born, it was just 120 of them little folks meeting in an upper room. But guess what? When the kingdom got inside of them, they turned the world upside down. They're responsible for you and I being in the parking lot this morning because they got a hold of God and God got a hold of them. Can I tell you that nothing could stop the growth of that little bitty mustard seed. Nothing can stop the growth of that little bitty band of believers huddled in that room in Jerusalem. Nothing can stop or change her DNA. Nothing could alter her roots. Nothing could impede her status. And now, guess what? She's a big tree. And she's a tree that everybody who's born again gets to launch into. This tree can be seen in Russia. This tree could be seen in Asia. This tree could be seen in Africa. This tree could be seen in Central America and South America and North America. It's a great big tree. You can see it from Chicago and Detroit, Atlanta, Mississippi, and Los Angeles, Sacramento, Fresno, Visalia. You can see this tree. Are you with me here? Somebody holler, it's a big tree. Now, now that blew me away. I was excited when Jesus was telling that story. And then I read the second part of the miracle. He said this tree, it grew, but the birds of the air, they came and they nested in her branches. Beloved, when you come to that portion of the parable, it's interesting because there's a law in what's called the law of hermeneutics that if you read something in another passage, the same place, 
is called the law of second mention. In other words, this ain't the first time Jesus told a parable and used birds in it. And the first time he used the birds in it, he said that the birds were a type of devil. Remember that story? There was a farmer who went out to sow some seed and he threw some on the ground and the birds of the air came and snatched it up. Jesus said that that was Satan trying to snatch the word from the hearts of the hearers. And then he said that in Matthew and then here in Luke, he tells another parable and he brings up the birds again. But this time the birds don't snatch the word, they infiltrate the tree where the word's being proclaimed. Did y'all catch it right there? Y'all don't even look excited. I was so excited when I saw that. In other words, instead of stealing, now they're into nesting. If he can't steal the word, Boundary, he'll just nest around it. <laughs> Are you in here with me? Why is he telling this? He's telling this because that man in the synagogue last week got mad when Jesus healed the woman. Remember that? And when he got... When he got angry over what Jesus was doing in the life of that woman, he couldn't stop it. So he tried to disrupt it. And he disrupted by saying to the crowd, there are six days in which a person is to work. Don't come in this church on the Sabbath day working and getting healed. And Jesus spoke out against him and rebuked him, right? Then he tells this story and he's telling this story to illustrate that this man was working for those birds. And he came into the sanctuary or the synagogue to disrupt what God was doing. He was nesting in the branches of the church. For 18 years that woman was bowed together. She was in the church, she was bowed together. Guess what the enemy was doing, Dina? Nesting. Nesting in the local church. Nesting in the synagogue. Nesting around the saints. Oh, I wish I had some help through here. Nesting, 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 hanging around trying to influence the activity. And guess what? This is what the kingdom of God is like today. This is what we experience, Jesse, in the house of God today. This is what we experience when we pray. This is what we experience when we sing. This is what we experience when we try to do anything in the name of God. This is what it means to live for God, work for God, walk for God, walk with God, trust in God, believe in God, hope in God, and serve in God. The enemy always nests around the people of God. Why? Why? Because he wants there to be satanic infiltration. He wants there to be satanic influence. He wants there to be satanic intrusion satanic insanity and plain old satanic interference and this is why living for God in a dying world is so hard beloved why why he wants to stop the growth of the kingdom in you somebody say in me 
He wants to stop the ministry that God has placed in you. Somebody say, in me. He wants to stop the message that God has dropped in you. He wants to, you to change your mentality and not have the mind of Christ. That's why he works so hard to discourage you from reading your word, from praying, from being a godly mama, a godly daddy, a godly uncle and auntie. This is why he discourages you from working for him, God in the earth. Jesus is simply in this parable briefing us. He's telling us what it's like with the kingdom of God on earth. In other words, Sister Wilson, love of my life, we're going to have to deal, love, with the distractions, with the disruptions, with the disappointments, with the demonic. Didn't COVID throw some stuff up? We had to make some decisions. Am I going to quit going to church? Am I going to quit praying? Am I going to quit reading? Am I going to quit serving? We got to learn how to deal with it. Am I talking to you today? Zunaga, I want to encourage somebody today. Don't stop. Keep moving forward. Did y'all hear me, Big John? Don't stop loving God. Love him more. Don't stop serving God. Serve him more. Find a way, somebody say find a way to get busy for God. Find a way. I ran across a fact that blew me away, Brother Mel. I think this will help you. I learned something this week that there's a difference between the various forms of locomotion and transportation. The horse and the wagon, the automobile and the motorcycle, bicycle, the locomotive and the speedboat, great battleship, they can all stand still without danger. And they all have the same ability to reverse their engines and their power when they need to. But not the airplane. Uh-uh. Airplanes got just as much power, but it don't have the ability to reverse course. In other words, if it loses its momentum, it better not do nothing but go forward. Because if it don't, it'll crash. Y'all in here? The only safety for the airplane is to keep going forward and upward. Let me say that again. The only thing the airplane can do, Boundary, is keep going forward and upward. Now, here I come. The only safe direction for the Christian in the COVID world is to keep going forward and upward. Because if he or she starts to slip backward, they in danger. Y'all catch it here? I don't know who I'm talking to today, but somebody looking at me online is in danger because you start slipping backward. You in danger when you close your Bible and let dust get on it. You in danger when you fail to pray to God in the morning. You in danger when you forgot how to give him thanks, how to give him praise. You in danger when you stop loving your neighbor like you love yourself. I feel like preaching today. You in danger when you realize you ain't God. You are God's baby made in his 
image. Are you with me here? And you have a decision to live for him in the earth. In other words, family, don't you slow down. You better keep going forward and keep going upward. We looked at the parable of the seed. Let me show you now the parable of the sister. Are you listening? The Bible says that Jesus said, and again, I say to you, what shall I like in the kingdom of God too? It's like leaven that a woman took and hid it in three measures of meal until it was all leaven. Beloved, when we come to this portion of the text, Jesus uses the imagery of a sister who's in her little kitchen cooking a meal. Come on, help me, sisters. Amen. I feel a little hungry because of this fast right about now. Amen. <laughs> this sister, she uses something common in cooking that was called leaven. Leaven is yeast, and yeast causes dough to rise in the cooking process. Uh, uh, Brother Ed, now to properly understand this passage, we got to also understand that Jesus is just using this illustration to make a point. He says, the kingdom of God is also like this. It's not only like the mustard tree or seed, but it's like a sister cooking a meal in the kitchen. She takes something small, but powerful. And she uses it inside of flour. Why? So that it can change. So that it can enhance. So that it can increase. So that it can empower. So that it can affect, influence the desired taste she's working to produce. Jesus says, what else is the kingdom of God like? It's like a sister with some yeast in her hand. Here it is, here it is. And even though she only takes a little yeast, what that little does is it permeates every aspect of that flower. Here it is, the kingdom of God is like that in the hand of a sister. You just put a little in the situation and it will permeate every area of the thing that received it. I feel it's my help here today. Here it is. The kingdom of God has power to spread. Say and watch this. It spreads invisibly. It spreads, Johnny, without being seen. It spreads without being stopped. And it spreads without noise or interruption. That this parable is a reminder that God is doing something that can't be stopped. <laughs> oh, did y'all hear that here? Yeah. COVID can't stop it. No pandemic can stop it. Poverty can't stop it. Are y'all with me here? God is working in the kingdom of God. And what he's doing in the church is permeating every area of life. And when we look at this text, the yeast here is a picture of that gospel spreading in the bread of humanity. And guess what, Billings? It only take a little. <laughs> it only take a little. It don't, it don't need a whole lot. And when the kingdom is measured out like that, it becomes more 
than enough. Jesus says, when this sister gets it in her kitchen and she takes it and puts it in her dog, sprinkles it, you better watch out. Y'all catch it there? You better watch out. Why, Pastor? Because this yeast is going to make the dough do stuff that it could never do on its own. <laughs> Mother Ross, I'm happy right there. See, the yeast don't look like much. No, it's tiny in its observation, but it's powerful in its demonstration. It don't look like it can make a difference when it starts to spread, but it can't be stopped. Have y'all ever watched that dough rise? You just look at it and say, look at that thing. It just starts to grow. And you can't see it growing, but you see it growing. And that's what he's saying here in this text in the synagogue. The kingdom of God, he said, is spreading. Now watch this. He said that the man was acting like the birds in the trees nesting in the branches. And then he gives the second illustration of the kingdom. In other words, the kingdom of God is like this and is like that. Even though they nesting, they can't stop what I'm doing. <laughs> Here it is, Zunga. Thank you, son. I see you hollering with me. He's saying the kingdom can't be stopped. Reverend Nichols, when he gave sight to the blind, he was saying that the kingdom, son, it can't be stopped. When he cast out devils and raised the dead, Boundary, he was saying that the kingdom, it can't be stopped. Satan may try to launch in the branches of the church, but the gospel can't be stopped. He may try to shut it down with a pandemic, but we'll move it outside because the gospel can't be stopped. Can I say some more? When the kingdom of God is on the move, guess what? The kingdom can't be stopped. It's tiny in its beginning, but it'll grow. And when it grows, it permeates. And when it permeates, it penetrates. And when it penetrates, it prospers. Are you with me here? And when it takes over, you can see just how powerful it is. I remember seeing a lot of y'all when you first came into the kingdom. You wasn't much, but look at you now. Making babies baptizing folks, preaching the gospel, got the nerve to be online and on land. Come on, Charleston. Preaching and teaching and making disciples. You ain't much, but how you like me now? Can I say some more? When the kingdom of God gets into a person, there is nothing that person can't do. When the kingdom of God, yeah, got into the first century Christians, as I mentioned, they spread that gospel all over the world. When the kingdom of God gets into a person, they can do for him what they never imagined, Sean, they could do. Why? The kingdom life matters. Kingdom service matters. Kingdom leadership matters. And kingdom relationships matter. I ran across some numbers, uh, Brother Arias, I ran across some numbers yesterday, son, and I discovered that kingdom numbers are important. Can I share it with you? Yeah. There was a man named Enoch in Genesis chapter 5. He lived 365 years, walked in close fellowship with God, and then one day he disappeared because his life pleased God. That's kingdom stuff because his life mattered. Can I say some more? Methuselah, man in the Bible, same chapter, 
lived 969 years. He was the oldest human being that ever walked the planet. And he walked in a relationship with God. And I just believe God kept him around so he could model for everybody else what a believer looks like. That's kingdom stuff. And the kingdom matters. Lamech, his son, was 182 years old when he gave birth to his son, Noah. This baby was so cute. Uh, Sister Arias, they named him Rest. Because they said, he's going to cause us to rest from our labors. And they had no idea that God was going to use that baby to save the world. His name was Noah. Y'all remember the ark? Are you with me here? That's kingdom stuff. And the kingdom matters. Moses was 80 years old when God called him. And although he has cited many excuses why God couldn't use him in his old age, he never complained that he was too old to be used by God. He had some other excuses, but age wasn't one. Are you with me here? Somebody hollered, that's kingdom stuff. And the kingdom matters. John Wesley, the great preacher of yesteryear, used to travel, he traveled 250 miles a day on horseback for 40 years. He preached over 40,000 sermons, produced 400 books. He knew 10 languages. And at age uh, 83, brothers and sisters, he was annoyed that he couldn't write for more than 15 hours a day because his eyes was going bad. At 86, he was ashamed that he could only preach two sermons a day. And he complained in his diary that he was starting to have a problem because he couldn't get up no earlier than 5.30 in the morning. That man was a workhorse. That's kingdom stuff. And the kingdom matters. I, can I keep saying, can I give you some more? Billy Graham at 99 years old went home to be with Jesus after preaching to over 215 million people, after attending more than 400 crusades, simulcasts, and evangelistic rallies in over 185 countries. He reached millions through TV, video, film, internet, and he wrote 34 books. Now that's kingdom stuff, because the kingdom matters. And just a few days ago, one of our greatest Latino evangelists, Evangelist Luis Palau, left glory, left earth rather, and ascended to glory. And while he was here, he authored more than 50 books, preached to more than 30 million people in 75 countries. He was the Central America Billy Graham. That's kingdom stuff. Because the kingdom matters. I feel like help. Can I say some more? And then there's Dr. Fitzalbert Marius. The man we know as Doc. He was a heart surgeon. An artist. A Bible teacher. A follower of Jesus Christ. He was still teaching Bible at, at the age of 93. At the Fresno School of Mission when God came and got him. Are y'all with me here? That's kingdom stuff. And the kingdom matters. Then there was a little country preacher whose name was Freddie Richardson. Came to Los Angeles from Mississippi. Worked in a little bitty church in Watts. Served that little church for 49 years. 
happened to be my daddy. And as my daddy, I got my call to preach. And because of that little bitty preacher, I've been able to go to over three different continents, plant over 15 churches. Are y'all listening here? Write over 40-something books. Had a son named Alex who's preaching online in Hawaii, reaching thousands and thousands upon people. Because one man, little bitty country preacher, with a sixth grade education, thought it good enough to give his babies the gospel. That's kingdom stuff. And the kingdom matters. Can I say some more? And you are part of that legacy now. Look at you, the New Beginnings Church. Got the nerve to start in a little bitty school. Then go on down to Musqueda Center. Plant an orange avenue in a church half the size of this parking lot. Did I tell y'all about meeting in Roding Park? Did I tell you about the Bible studies in a beauty salon? Lord help me as I talk about learning and sharing buildings with folks. We done moved so many times we done got tired of moving. Are you listening to me here? But the kingdom keep on moving. It starts out tiny. But look at y'all preaching in Ghana. Preaching in Cape Town. Preaching in Rwanda. Preaching in South Africa. Got the nerve to plant a school in Berlin. Churches in, in uh, Colorado. Alabama. North Fresno. Y'all listen to me. It starts a little. But it keeps on growing. I got to get out of here. I'm feeling some kind of way. But when I read this text and I look at the saints. And I think about all that God had to do. He was right. The kingdom of God. It can't be stopped. See, when the kingdom of God gets into a person, it permeates every area of their life. And they work like they never worked before. I got to leave you now. I know y'all been waiting for this. Somebody holler, here's the good part. Y'all remember Jesus? Couldn't stop him, could they? No, when he got called to work in the kingdom, everything started to move. Sister Carla, because of who he was and who his father was, he was committed to working in the kingdom of God. The rule and reign of God was alive in his heart. And because he worked in the kingdom, his love took him to Calvary. Can I holler right there? Out on Calvary, what you see happening is the kingdom of God on display on the cross. Listen, no man killed Jesus. Jesus said, don't nobody kill me. I lay my life down. And if I lay it down, I'll take it up again. Can I say some more? He had to work that way. Why? Because the kingdom was trying to save you and me. He took nails in his hand because of the kingdom. Nails in his feet because of the kingdom. A crown of thorns on his head because of the kingdom. A spear in his side because of the kingdom. And because of the kingdom, he died. I said he died. Didn't he die? And then they took the body down, put him in a borrowed tomb. And because of the kingdom, while he was in the grave, he took the sting out of death. Victory over the grave. And early, early Sunday morning, with all power of heaven and earth in his hand, God the Father raised him back to life. And now the kingdom is on display in you and I. Oh, bless God. I said, bless God for the kingdom of God. Bless God for the kingdom agenda. Where the kingdom is, 
there's liberty. Where the kingdom is, there's ability. <laughs> Where the kingdom is, there's opportunity to do more, say more, serve more, love more, sing more, pray more, believe more, dance more, do more, laugh more, go more, holler more. I'm so glad I'm a part of the kingdom. Where the kingdom is, is where I want to be. I ain't trying to, yeah, I ain't trying to rust out. I'm trying to wear out. Y'all catch me right there? There's more to do. Where there's breath, there's life. And where there's life, there's hope. Let's give God some praise. Would you bow with me for prayer, family? Our Father and our God, thank you. Thank you for the wonderful privilege of being your children. Thank you, Father, for your love for us, your care for us. Thank you for your teachings and your word that explain exactly what the kingdom of God is like. Now, Lord, if there's one who's here today and who does not know you, they don't have residence in the kingdom. They don't have a life in you with you, would you save them today? Would you give them the opportunity to make a decision for you this morning? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Beloved, you may be here today. Let me first say thank you. Thank you for coming, thank you. God has a plan for you. And his plan is that you would have a personal, intimate relationship with him. In other words, God is not into you being religious. No, he wants a relationship. He wants you to transcend traditions, religions. He wants you to know him personally. Amen. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? The Bible says, yeah. if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. And I'd like to do this today. I'd like to extend this opportunity to you to make Jesus the Lord of your life so you can have everlasting life with him. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Jesus might be saved. That's you, beloved. You're the world. God's desire for you is that you would be saved. If you're here today, would you bow your heads with me one more time and you want to invite Christ into your life? Simply pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord, I am a sinner. And I need my sin forgiven. Jesus, I believe you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. Come into my heart 
and save me. I'm sorry for my sin against you. And I want you to live in my heart. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. Reverend Billings, Lady Billings, would you help me? Would you stand? Would you come to my left, your right? Would you make your way down here to my, my left, your right? If you're here today and you're in the parking lot and you pray that prayer, I want you to see Pastor Billings and Lady Billings before you leave today. They'll be right to my left for you. They want to take your name, get some information from you. Pastor Billings is, is over our discipleship and he will help you with that. Okay, do that today. And then I want them to stand here today because we got the news this morning that Lady Billings was in a horrible accident on yesterday. But look at God. And we want to pray over them. I don't know about you, but I've been in a few wrecks. And I'm shook up days after that. And I just want to pray over her, over her husband, as God works with them through all the emotions that come with that. Would you extend your hand toward them today? Online, online. We're going to ask you to do that too. Would you come and turn the camera? Thank you, daughter. Our Father and our God, today, today we rejoice that you spared us from sorrow. For Father, that accident could have went the other way. And God, today we could be in great grief with tears uncontrollable. But you spared us. And for that reason, we want to tell you thank you. God, would you look in on Lady Billings? Look in on Reverend Billings? Lord, would you help them as they process and as they work through all the emotions and all of the things, oh God, that come along with events that are life-threatening? Lord, we love you. Now help them because we know what they're going to do with it. They're going to tell somebody that you are faithful. They're going to tell somebody that you can keep them in the face of danger. They're going to be good witnesses. So bless them as they tell this testimony. And then renew them. Strengthen them. Make their bond more closer now than it ever was before and use them greatly. Thank you for the ark of safety and thank you for your protection in the name of Jesus. And then not just the Billings family, but Lord, we want to give you praise for keeping us through this pandemic. We want to thank you for a vaccine that will allow us to fellowship again. We want to pray for those who are fearful today of the vaccine ask that you remove fear because you have not given us a spirit of fear, but rather you've given us a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. Help them to know that our hope is not in the medicine, but our hope is in you. But you will use medicine. You've done it before. 
So for the one, oh God, who is ignorant of the medicine or just simply don't trust it, remove that from them and help them to be able to protect their loved ones, to protect themselves, and to be able to get back to church where we can fellowship one with another. Inoculate us is our prayer. Thank you for the blood that washes and cleanses and heals. We love you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said amen. And amen. Beloved, this is going to conclude our services. But before we go today, a couple of quick announcements for you. Number one, we have uh, some of our resources available for you. Some of the food back there from our missions division. Brother Mel, if you wave at me. Amen. In the very back on your way out today, towards your cars, you can stop at the table there and pick up some resources. Food, we're giving out food, as you know, Fridays and Saturdays and Sunday afternoons after church. Right here, if you're hungry, don't be. Your church wants to take care of you. Amen. Secondly, Easter is coming. Easter is one of the, the highest. It's the Super Bowl of the church. I like to call it that. Amen. And on Easter Sunday morning, New Beginnings, I want you to know we're going to have two very special, three very special services. There will be an 8 o'clock service. Amen. Outdoors in the parking lot like this. And at 10 o'clock, we want to celebrate our children. We're going to have a very special children's uh, social distance outreach service. It's going to be like this, but on the opposite side of the building. And the parents will be here at 10 o'clock. Your children will be there with the KWZ team. And we have some wonderful loving gifts and surprises for the children. Normally, we would be, you know, searching the yard with candy and all that kind of stuff. We're going to fix it. We're going to make sure that the babies get to have something and experience a wonderful message from God. Amen. And then parents, we want you to come here too. And then third of all, I want you to wear your blue jeans and your white shirts. All right? Your blue jeans and your white shirts for Easter Sunday morning. We're going to get a big uh, family photo. That's what we do at New Beginnings. You don't, you don't have to spend your money on your Easter dress. All right? Save it. Tuck it away. Blue jeans and white shirts. What? Amen. Come on, be comfortable. You can bring your favorite chair if those are too hard, but come and join us. That's also the first Sunday. And the first Sunday in our family tradition, we take the Lord's Holy Communion as a family together. So what a glorious time. I also want to bring out the baptismal pool because many of you have made decisions for Christ and you have yet to be baptized. Well, guess what? There's no greater day than Easter to go to the waters of baptism. Amen. So if you have not been baptized and you are a believer, you say, I want to be baptized. Today, before we leave, Pastor Billings, wave your hand. Lady Billings, please come and see them right away. They'll tell you, I want to be baptized. Uh, you want to be baptized, they'll tell you. We're going to make sure you get your name on the list so we can baptize you. And then finally, thank you, beloved, for being kind and being generous. Can't thank you enough. My heart is overwhelmed when I think about all of you that have made so many sacrifices to keep a place over the heads of our children. Thank you. The Lord sees. The Lord sees. And the Lord, he will reward you accordingly. So continue to be faithful. Amen. On your way out today, if you want to continue and you want to give today your offering or your tithe to the Lord, right on the way out, Lady Green, if you wave at me. Right there where the beautiful Lady Green is, our usher, there is a table there. You can leave your offering there with Lady Green, or you can go online to 
nbcbc.org nbcbc.org and you can give today Pastor Zunigo, would you come son? I'm out of gas I want you to give the benediction Amen Amen. Let's give him a hand as he comes Would you stand? Sing this great song with the church Amen